Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read about five verses, but we're going to focus in on one verse for the remainder of our time this morning. We're going to be talking about a dehydrated heart is the title that I've given the message. And... uh, God laid this verse on my heart uh, last week, and with everything that was going on, I, I wanted to preach something different, but God just continued to direct my path this way, and so I'm going to be conscious of Him, be conscious of what the Lord wants us to do, and so if you have your places there, the verses will be on the screen as well. We're going to stand and read one last time. We'll stand. Before the invitation this afternoon, Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Paul is speaking to the church of Galatians here, and uh, he's given them some practical application to the doctrine that he gave, and he's talking about bearing each other's burden, and he says this in verse 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth in the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth in the spirit of the spirit shall reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that he that hath, as I'm sorry, as we hath therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. God, we want to come and just thank you. Again, Lord, I pray that you'll give me wisdom and clarity this morning. I pray that you'll help us to be an encouragement, help us to uh, focus on you this morning. We love you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to focus in this morning on verse 9. I'm going to read it again. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. And then he gives this caveat, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as I began looking at this verse of scripture specifically, I do love the way Paul is referring to this passage of scripture because a lot of times when we look at Paul, I know myself, when I look at Paul, when I look at the writings of scripture, Paul and Peter and Jesus and John and and all the great men that we look at, we sometimes see them as bigger than life. We see them as bigger than we can imagine. And so when Paul is writing this, at times I almost see like Paul is sort of this great mega church pastor that's got wisdom, that's giving wisdom, and that's, that's sort of helping out other people. But he uses this phrase, and let us. And so when Paul is writing this, he is not only focused on the people, but he is focused on himself as well. And he says, I am in this same boat. I am getting weary and well-doing at times. And I believe there's two big things that when we look at the introduction here that is is important as a Christian, when we become a Christian, we get a new father. We have a new person, a new trinity, a new holy father spirit that's living within us that we can go to at any time. As well, we have a new family that we are able to go to to bear one another's burdens, that we're able to go to to pour into each other 
in small groups this morning, in our um, Sunday school this morning, as we were talking, we were pouring out our hearts. We were talking about uh, families that are hurting and, and, and situations that are coming up with school starting back. And we were able to bear the burdens of one another. And that is what this thought of, of Christianity, when Paul is saying, let us, he is saying there's a community of believers here. But at the same time of that community of believers, he, he says this, there's weary in well-doing. Ministry in the Christian life is full of spiritual warfare. It is full of the warfare of Satan and his demons and God and his angels that are fighting a battle that we cannot see. And so there is this warfare going on in and among us. This last week we had vacation Bible school. We had an average of like 180 every night. We had 40 plus teenagers here every night. Uh, I think the first night we were a little less than 40, but we averaged about 40. Uh, man, we had a great time. We had a great spirit while we were here at Vacation Bible School. Uh, we, we've been praying and, and, and asking God for James Dermeyer and, and him in and out of the hospital. Of course, we know, and it's not a surprise, Jeff Peel and the tragic accident there. There is draining things that are in our life that we can have a dehydrated heart, that we can say, God, I just don't know how I can go on. This past Monday, I'll I'll get real, real. That's why I didn't want to preach this message because it's a very real hard message for me right now. But Monday, when we got home, I had spent all day Sunday for vacation Bible school. I never even, I went to eat lunch and I came back and I was here all day. Um, on Monday, I got here at eight o'clock, 8.30 and was here till about 10.30, 11 o'clock. And I got home and I sat down in my, my chair at my house and I said, Allie, I'm physically, I'm emotionally and I'm spiritually drained. I said, I don't know emotionally with the loss of Jeff and having to process that after the funeral and everything that was going on spiritually, VBS is, is spiritually draining. We had been given ourselves, but then physically, I mean, my body was just at the point where I, I mean, I, I was able to sleep, but it was like, man, the sleep isn't even enough because our body and our hearts were drained. And that's why when I came in on Tuesday and I began studying more and I said, God, I need to go somewhere else. I don't need to go here. He continued to bring me back to Galatians chapter six. And he says, Paul was going through the same thing you're going through. He was weary in well-doing because sometimes we think, well, how am I able to be weary? I'm doing what God wants me to do. And so that's where, as I began studying and praying and began writing this, I wanted us to to think through this over the next couple of minutes. The first is this, the biblical challenge. The biblical challenge that Paul gives us. He says this, do not grow weary. Satan wants us to be involved in just doing. He wants us to be weary in doing things. Too many times as we look through our planner of events, we look through our, our events that we have going on in life, we get so full of stuff that we can get weary in that and they may not be doing well. But Bible, the Bible says here, and as Paul is writing, he says, you are going hopefully to do well. And he's saying, don't be weary in the well-doing. You may get physically and spiritually burnt out on doing things that aren't well, but when you're doing the things that God wants you to do, don't grow weary. You see, and I shared this this morning, but we are an instant society. We think that if we plant something spiritually, we should reap something that day. I've never met a farmer. I've never met anyone in 
agriculture that says, you know what, if you go out and you plant this seed today, tomorrow you'll come back and you'll have a full-grown plant. Okay, it doesn't happen like that. There are months and months and months of fertilizing and pulling weeds and watering and continuing to strive and to, to, to put your time and energy into that seed for it to show results. But for some reason in our society, in our world, we expect our spiritual life to be this way. Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and Monday I'm going to get this great reward. Or I'm going to read my Bible today and tomorrow God's going to bless me with a million dollars. Okay, or whatever, you fill in the blank. For some reason in our spiritual mind, we think one plant here, one seed here, we're going to reap a wonderful harvest the next day. If it doesn't work like that in the physical world, why would it work like that in the spiritual world? I'm sure our agricultural people, Becky Smith and Boyd, they would love to go out and plant a plant one day, not have to worry about it overnight and come back and reap a wonderful harvest of blackberries. It would be awesome, but we don't do that in the physical world, so why do we expect that in the spiritual world? And so as I begin to think about growing weary and reasons that weariness happens, the first thing that comes to my mind, weariness develops over time. Just as reaping and sowing is a time management thing here, weariness develops over time. The phrase grow weary speaks of a heart that is fading or fainting. God never wants us to get this point. Jesus himself gives us a great example in Mark. And in Mark chapter 1, the very beginning of Mark, as he is writing, Mark is writing down this, he writes down this example of Jesus Christ. And in verse 35, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before sunrise, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus modeled for us that weariness will happen. Weariness is going to happen in our life. Our physical body cannot survive without weariness and rest and restitution. And so if that's going to happen, Jesus said, I myself must get away. I've got to get away from the disciples because teenage boys can be depleting of your spirit. Okay, I understand that. Okay, Jesus was the first youth pastor. Most of his disciples, most people believe that 11 of his 12 were all teenagers. And so as Jesus was ministering to these teenagers, they're pulling all of his physical and spiritual and emotional energy. And he said he rose up a great while before the sun even rose, departed so that he could get into a solitude place and pray. In the busyness of Jesus's life, he still had balance. He still had a balance of spiritual and physical. He knew I must get away. I must develop this time every day of my life. You read through the life of Jesus all the time. He does a miracle and the people turn and they say, where's Jesus? Because he had to get away to restore himself. He had to get away to pray, to spiritually revive his heart. Because if we do not, church, if we do not get away, if we do not have time of rest, then our heart will be so dehydrated that we will not be able to serve in a spiritual capacity. So weariness develops over time, but the same thing, weariness depletes the spirit. If you want to turn there, I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But in 2 Corinthians 4.16 is where I'll be at in just a second. 2 Corinthians, Paul is, is talking here a little bit again. And he gives an illustration here that we are so exhausted that our heart has dried up. Our heart is of none effect 
in one version it says. And so he gives this correlation, but he says the spiritual aspect affects our physical body. As I was reminiscing on this past Monday, my spiritual depletedness from VBS for two days, from mourning with the family, my spiritualness was affecting my physical body. My physical body could not, and you've experienced this before, may have been this week, it may have been a moment where you've lost a loved one, your physical body just feels like I can't go on one more step. I need rest. And even when you lay down, the rest still doesn't seem to be there. Okay? Because our physical body is just so worn. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says this, For which cause we faint not, that same word that is used here in verse 9, if we faint not, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And as I began studying this and thinking about this, I, I wrote this down. Our spiritual life affects our physical life. But yet our physical life can be exalted and the spiritual life can renew our life. Our spiritual life can renew the, the depleted spirit that we have. And as we do that, I've preached this message before, this verse here, but we must consider Christ. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I preached it a couple of weeks ago, months ago, you can look it up. But we must consider Christ. We must put our eyes so close to God that every step we take is for him. Every step that we move is for him. Uh, there's, a, there's even a little kid song out there. Every move I make is for you, Lord. Every step I take is for you, Lord. We must consider Christ in everything we do. Too many times, and, and there's a book that was referenced at camp. It was called In His Steps. I've actually got a bracelet on Joseph, or someone bought it for me. I think it was Taylor King. Uh, we've all seen this before, WWJD. How many of y'all have heard that before, WWJD? And, and uh, Greg Boone was given an illustration. He said, a guy wrote a fictitious book called In His Steps about a church. It was a fake church. It wasn't a real church. And every decision they were going to make for the next one year, they were going to say, what would Jesus do in this situation? And he said, I'm a little confused because I thought that's what churches did. <laughs> Before we make decisions, we ask, what would Jesus do? He said, but, but anyways, they, they went through this next year of decisions and every decision they made, what would Jesus do in this situation? And that's where we get this term, what would Jesus do? It came out in the, the 80s, early 80s, maybe late 70s. And he said, are we considering Christ in our life every day? Are we saying, would Jesus go here? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus do this? Hopefully we are. But are we really saying that in our life? Because if we don't, the weariness will happen. The second thing I wrote under this, and this isn't your notes, this is just free. Weariness to please the spirit. We must consider Christ. We must continue on. We must determine to be patient on the Lord. This morning I shared with our, teenage, with our, uh, our college students this statistic. In the statistics of internet and looking at where people go and how they spend their time, if you are to go to a web page on the internet or YouTube and pull up a video, and that video or that web page takes more than eight seconds to load, you go to a different web page. You find a different video to watch. If it doesn't load or it buffers, you find something else to do because our time mind, our thought process is eight seconds. 
It says they lose one-third of their visitors if it takes more than eight seconds. A guy who was unknown made this statement, a vision that is not worthy of sacrifice is not a Christ-like vision. The vision for our family to succeed and to, to grow spiritually, if there's not sacrifice along the way, then it is not a Christ-like visit. If we as a church do not have a vision that involves sacrifice at times, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, is it really a Christ-like vision? Are we really looking towards Christ in that vision? So the first thing we see when we read verse 9 is, and us, let us not be weary. So it gives us this basic challenge. But the second thing, it gives us a reminder. It says, you shall reap. James 5, 7 through 9 gives us a great illustration here as I turn to it. You don't have to turn there. But James says in his example here, um, his letter, this was the half-brother of Jesus. He says, and listen to the word that comes up throughout these three verses. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waited for his precious fruit of the earth and had long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judgment standeth before the door. Over and over, the key to this phrase is be patient. When reaping comes, there must be a patience that is given here. And this is this basic reminder that in our life, we will reap, but we have to be patient in that reaping. And so what are some things that we reap? What are some things in our life that we can reap if we sow? I wrote down three of them. The first thing that we're going to reap is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. As I was studying, one author said this, Many Christians spend six days a week sowing wild oats and come in on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. They come in and they say, you know what, I've, I've done everything for the world this week and, and I'm going to come in on Sunday or I'm going to come in on Wednesday and I'm going to pray that everything that I sowed doesn't come forth because it wasn't of God. It wasn't spiritual. What are you sowing? What are you giving your life to? An easy answer is this, an easy way to answer this is, what do you spend the most of your time doing? Look at your life over the last 28, 48 hours, three days. What have you spent the majority of your time doing? That is where you will reap what you have sown. And now I understand we have to work, we have to do things, but when work is over, what are we spending our time doing? Where are we spending our time investing? What are we doing to have a result of spiritual growth? If you have 24 hours a day and you spend five minutes of that 24 hours investing in your spiritual life, the hard fact is we're not going to have a strong spiritual life because we're spending a very small portion of our life investing in spiritual growth. As we talk with our kids and, and vacation Bible school just happened and it was a blessing for our family. Our kids are, are learning more and growing more. And, and I, I was out with them on, on Saturday, me and we did some returns and, and we were talking about some things and, 
And I asked my kids, I said, what did y'all learn? What was your favorite day of vacation Bible school? The inflatables, ah, they were great, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, great. No, okay, let's get spiritual here. What did you learn in your classes? And it was, I was blown away because we all taught pretty much the same things um, in all of our classes. But Brody, second, third grade, great shout out to our second, third grade teachers that had like 20 plus kids in there every night. Um, Brody said, dad, I learned this really big word named omnipresent. And that just means God's everywhere. I said, oh, did you learn anything else? Yeah, there were three other omni words, but I don't remember where they were. <laughs> all right, we're getting somewhere. And so we talked about omni, omniscient and, and all the other the things. And Jade's like, oh, yeah, I remember God. We, we talked about God is holy and how he created everything. And my heart was just so overwhelmed with joy because in the week that I had a great week, don't get me wrong, but my mind was focused on, on the pills and, and on other things. They were getting spiritual growth. They were getting the, the, the and, and Jade asked me this on Thursday. She said, Dad, are we having vacation Bible school tomorrow? I said, no, it's over on Friday. Well, what about next week? Are we having vacation Bible school next week? And I said, no, it's once a year. So I've got to wait a whole year for this again. And so that, that is the, the spiritual growth that we want to see. And we also see the second point, the spiritual reward. We'll reap spiritual growth. We'll also reap spiritual reward. As we look through this, we see there are several spiritual rewards in our life. In 2 Timothy chapter 7, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul says this to Timothy, young Timothy. He says, I have fought a good faith, and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And then he gives this challenge to Timothy. He says, from now on, a crown of righteousness is laid up for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing or longed for his appearing. There is a spiritual reward for us, church, not only here in earth, but also in heaven. When we get that spiritual rewards from God, those crowns that he has given us so that we can turn back and say, God, I am not worthy of these crowns. I'm not worthy of these rewards. And we give them back to our Lord and Savior. Are we honoring the Lord while the time that we have is here? We're going to reap spiritual reward. We're going to reap spiritual growth. The third thing is we're going to reap spiritual or souls of men. We shall reap souls of men. Are we determined to see souls Changed? Are we determined to see lives changed? In every parent that I would interview in here, if you're a Christian, the answer that you, I hope you would give, I pray for it every day for my family, I would hope that you would be praying and you would ask, God, change the heart of my child. I want to see my child come to know you as their Savior, live a glorious life that is honoring and loving and serving to you. But does our, our prayer just end at our children? Are we just concerned about our own household of faith, which is a great thing that we must be, but are we concerned about the people that are outside of our family, outside of our immediate family, outside of our secondary family? Are we concerned about our community? Two very well-known missionaries, William Carey and Adoniram Judson, both preached for seven years. One was in England and one was in Burma. And for seven years they preached and they never saw one soul come to know Jesus. But they continued to preach every single 
day, they continued to minister every single day for seven years. And after seven years, they saw their very first convert come to know Jesus. How quickly do we give up on someone? How quickly do we give up on the souls of men? We have a coworker that's hurt us. We have a, a family member that's hurt us. And I've been there. I've got family members that, that I don't really talk to. But, but do we have moments in our life where we give up so quickly on someone, but we'll go on a mission trip or we'll go and do something and we'll spend time with that person. But yet the person that we're close to, we give up on. We look at these missionaries. We look at these former people of faith, and they said, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to have this word called patience, and I'm going to continue to endure because if we faint not, we will receive that reward, which brings us to our third point. Not only is there a biblical challenge, not only is there a basic reminder, but we see a binding condition. We see a binding condition. If we faint not. Paul gives this, this challenge to to the church at Galatia, and he says, you will, you will reap what you've sown, but then he throws this little, this little challenge back on them, if we don't faint. How many times in our life have we given up before we got that reward, because we just got weary and well-doing? And we decided, you know what, I'm going to be done with that project. I'm going to be done with that person. I'm going to be done with this situation because I'm just phys physically and spiritually exhausted and I can't do it anymore. And so we may give up on good reason. I'm going to give an illustration here in a minute. We may give up in a good reason, but yet we don't receive that reward. So the first thing we look at under this is we must not faint in the end. The word faint means to let up at the end. I began thinking... They just had this big bike race. I don't even know what it's called. I, I don't follow biking. What's the, the guys that cycle for like 100,000 miles and they, uh, yeah, the Tours de France. It's like the most boring sport thing out there that you can watch. These guys just ride around on bikes. In my mind, it's, it's boring. I'm like, well, okay, you're just, you're riding. Like that's all you're doing. Uh, but, but they began riding and, and the first guy won by like a minute. Uh, but I, my mind went back to a video uh, of years ago, a guy who was riding a bike and he looked around, no one was beside him. He threw his hands up in victory and he began slowing down. And another guy didn't stop and continued past him and won first place because the guy fainted. He let up at the end. Or you've seen the runners in high school and they're running and they're running and they look behind them and the guy's way behind them. So they slow down, they sort of do a little dance and they, they go to cross that finish line. And as they go to cross, the guy comes and passes them right there at the end. And they finished second because they fainted at the end. There is a goal inside as a Christian. And God says he does not want us to give up. He never wants us to give up. In Judges 8, 4, Gideon, the Bible says that he was faint unto death. But yet he pursued the Midianites. God told him to go after the Midianites. And he was so exhausted. He was so hurting. He said, but God told me to do this. So I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. And they celebrated a great victory over the Midianites because they did not give up. We must not forget about the eternal. There's an end in sight, but there's an eternal thought here. The eternal thought is three things that I wrote down. The first is souls. Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. He says that our souls are eternal. My question is, have you given up hard on others? Have you fainted on the heart of others because you have lost track of the thought of the souls of man? On Monday, as we 
sat out here. Some people walked by as I was telling Brody and Jade about Dr. Pill, and, and that was their principal. And, and I began to tell them Dr. Pill had, had passed away in this tragic car accident. And Jade really didn't understand what was going on. She didn't understand. Uh, but, but I told him this. I said, guys, we thankfully know where, where he's at. We know that he's, he's in a better place. And Brody, because I, I sometimes don't think like a seven-year-old, Brody goes, well, where's he at? <laughs> and so I said, well, Brody, I said, he made a profession of faith. He knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So he's worshiping in heaven right now with Jesus. And so we, we sort of finished that conversation, and, and we know Brody's struggling with the thought of salvation, and he's wrestling in his mind what it means. But as we were going home, and I wasn't in there, I was still here because we were cleaning up, and, and Allie, she, when I got home, she said, as I was driving home, Brody looked at me and he said, Mom, if we go to hell, is there a way out? And, and you, I was like, did you give the right answer? Like, I'm, as a dad, I'm like, whoa, I wasn't in this conversation. What'd you give, Allie? And so, because she stopped, and I was like, okay. Well, and, and so she said, Brody, your decision is your final decision. If you don't accept Jesus, yes, you'll go and you'll spend an eternity in hell. There's no way out. And if you go to heaven, there's, because in his mind, he was thinking, is there a way for Dr. Pill to come out of heaven? That's what he was thinking. I know it was. And, and so she said, that decision is final. And so he began processing that. And of course, you know, he changed the subject. So we're not going to continue to bear because we want him to continue to think through this. But in our mind, as our mind so consumed on where souls are going, gave this illustration this morning in Sunday school of, of the little boy. And we've heard it before walking down the side of the beach who's picked up a, 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 a starfish and he threw it in the water. And a guy was standing up there and he was looking at him and he said, what's this little boy doing? There's hundreds and thousands of starfish. And so the guy came down and he said, son, you just threw that in there. I know, but there's hundreds here. You can't save them all. And the little boy reached up and he grabbed another one and threw it in. He said, I, well, I saved that one. He walked a couple steps forward. He picked up another one. We've heard that illustration before, but has it really affected our heart so much that we do everything we can to see souls come to know Jesus? Because that's the reason why Jesus came into this world. So we must not forget that souls are eternal. We must not also forget that stewardship is eternal. What we give our time, our talents, and our treasures to are eternal. Jesus says that you can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or you can lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And the things that are on earth are going to rust and corrupt, or you can lay up eternal treasures that are in heaven that are going to last forever. And then Peter says in 1 Peter the other thing that's eternal is our scriptures. God's word is eternal and it will last forever. Are we that consumed with the eternality of scripture that we're teaching it, that we're loving it, that we're giving our whole life to the scriptures? And the last point that we'll go to is we must have faith for the future. We must have faith for the future. One scholar's name was J.G. Holland says this, a faith like this for the future, it draws the poison from every grief. It takes the sting from every loss and it quenches the fire from every pain. I'll read that again. The, the faith for the future, it draws the poison from every grief. It takes the sting from every loss and it quenches the fire from every pain. We're going to go through those things. We're going to go through pain. We're going to go through grief. We're going to go through loss. 
But yet, having faith in the future of what God has laid up for us can take away the sting. It can take away the pain. It can take away the poison that is in our life. As our musicians come and start playing, I'm going to give one illustration of this thought of the future. How many of you have ever heard of the lady named Florence Chadwick? Any history buffs in here? All right. Florence Chadwick, you may know the story as I began talking about it. But Florence Chadwick in 1952 had wanted to swim the entire Pacific Ocean off of the Catalina Island. She had earlier swam the English Channel both ways, and she wanted to swim to the shore of China, uh, California. She had already been the first woman to do the English Channel, and the weather that day was foggy and chilly. There were boats that were accompanying her, and the fog and the, the weather was so thick that she could not see the boats that were even beside her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. She called for one of the boats, come get me, I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't until she was in the boat that she discovered that the shore of California was less than a half a mile away. At the news conference the next day, they began asking her questions. And this is what she said. She said, look, I'm not excusing myself, but I think if I could have seen the shore... I would have made it. And how many times in our life have we lost focus of our end result in mind? God's grace, his mercy that he's given us. Have we got our minds off of Christ and we stopped our battle? We've stopped what we decided to do. But if we could yet just see what the end was going to happen, if we could just look in scripture and fall back in love with him, all of a sudden we would do that. And a couple of years, a couple, I think later that year, she said, I'm going to do it again. And she started and she finished. She went all the way. She said, because I could see that day what my end result was. Is that us today? Are you weary and hurting and are you just about to give up when just a few steps in front of you is the end goal? Just a few steps in front of you are what God has in, 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 in mind for you. As I began thinking of this, the words of Isaiah came to my mind when he says that by God's grace, he will renew his spirit. He will renew his grace. He will renew his goodness in our life. We will run and we will not grow weary. We will walk and we will not faint. That word again, losing heart. My prayer this morning is that we would allow the Lord to rehydrate our heart with the renewing of his spirit. That may be you today. I know that's me. I've struggled with this this entire week. And God gives grace. He gives goodness. He gives comfort to us when we don't know what the end is. All we know is we can follow him. We can trust his scriptures. And if we keep that in mind, God will give a great great reward. Father, we want to thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this hard thought for me, this hard thought for me to even process over the last week. Lord, you know I didn't want to preach this, but God, you know that it was exactly what you wanted. I stumbled through it a little bit. It was tough, God, but I pray that you would get the glory, Lord. I thank you for your blessings in our life. Continue to be with us as we serve you through this next week. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.